All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we're talking all about Calvin Ridley and the possibility that his time in Atlanta is over. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcons.com. R.I.P. Still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcons, and of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I always thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day on the variety of podcast platforms that you are subscribed to, whether that's Apple, Odyssey, Google, or Spotify. And of course, Lockdown Falcons is also free and available for those of you watching on YouTube. Of course, make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel and give us a like when you do. So guys, uh, we'll be talking all about Calvin Ridley on today's episode. And uh, we'll be sort of talk touching upon Steve Weish, uh, going on 92.9 the game earlier this week and talking about the potential for the Falcons and, and really to be parting ways this offseason. We'll get into uh, how I was wrong on that very subject, talking to a listener in the spring who uh, opined that the Falcons should trade Calvin Ridley then. And we'll revisit that topic. And I went on a little bit of a rant. Uh, so I will revisit that. And then we'll talk about sort of what's next for the Falcons when it comes to potentially replacing Calvin Ridley this offseason, as well as potentially what they could get back for him. But before we get into sort of the Calvin Ridley stuff, I do want to give you guys a little bit of an update on the news. Before we get into that, I do want to plug that I don't often plug on the podcast, a new column I have at the Falcoholic coming up probably today, as most of you guys are listening to this on Friday about how important a game this is for Kayla McGarry to perform against Cameron Jordan. And this may be his last chance to prove himself uh, this season. So I think it's worth your time to go check that out at the falcoholic.com in other news. The Falcons did get positive news on their injury report on Thursday with Kyle Pitts being limited with that hamstring injury, which seemingly is, is very positive in terms of putting him back on track to play potentially on Sunday. I was very pessimistic about that earlier in the week, but this is certainly positive news. I wasn't necessarily expecting him to play in practice at least until Friday and then maybe be listed as a game time decision or something like that. So the fact that he was able to return even on a limited basis on Thursday certainly is, is positive in that regard. And other injury news, Jalen Mayfield, uh, the Falcons rookie left guard uh, was out on Thursday with a back injury, presumably some, something that he suffered in Wednesday's practice. That's usually not a positive sign when the player gets hurt in the middle of the week and gets added to the injury report. Uh, but we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. If he's not ready to go, Kobe got, Gossett presumably would be the guy stepping in for him. Gobi Gossett did get a couple of snaps against the Bills, struggled in those snaps, but we'll sort of see if he does get an extended look on Sunday, how he looks. Longtime listeners know that I am been of the opinion since we added Kobe Gossett in September that he's probably a better alternative to Jalen Mayfield. Clearly, the coaching staff does not agree with that, but you know, potentially we may uh, find our answer on Sunday. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And the other news that came out on Thursday was Marvin Hall was released from the Falcons practice squad. Uh, And Marvin Hall is essentially the player that 
The Falcons signed to replace none other than Calvin Ridley when they put him on the non-football uh, illness list or injury list uh, that he went on mid-season. And so that's the end of that chapter of Marvin Hall's return to Atlanta, much to my chagrin. But uh, I will continue to be a, a big fan of Marvin Hall and, and hope he lands on his feet elsewhere in the NFL. Uh, but that gets us to Calvin Ridley. And let's be clear on what we do and don't know. And we still don't know much when it comes to Calvin Ridley. Um, but uh, we don't really have any better a clue on what's going on with Calvin Ridley today than we did at the end of October when he went on that uh, NFI list. Um, and it has led to many people speculating in the time since that Ridley will no longer be a Falcon. And that only continued this week when Steve Weish, former AJC reporter, does current work for the NFL Network, as well as AtlantaFalcons.com, went on the Dukes and Bell show on 92.9 The Game on Tuesday and talked about this. And for those of you that only listen to the podcast, this is what you're missing by not subscribing to the audio version of the podcast, because I have his quote to a question that he was uh, asked on the air on Tuesday by Mike Bell asking, is his future in jeopardy right now? Referring, of course, to Calvin Ridley. And I'll read the quote for you audio listeners. But of course, this is why you should subscribe to the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel so that you can read it yourself. But I'm sure many of you guys are saying, I didn't come here to read, Aaron. Um, but uh, Steve Weish answered, is Calvin Ridley's future in jeopardy? He said, yes, I would think so. I don't know everything that's gone on here for him not to surface or for the team not to say anything about it all season long leads me to believe that at some point his side believes he needs a fresh start or the Falcons might feel like we need a fresh start. It would be hard to think with everything that this team is trying to do with new leadership and everything. Maybe if this had been a Pittsburgh situation, and Arthur Smith had been the head coach here for seven or eight years, then maybe they could say we can bring him back. But because I think they're trying to start new and get things going, that there at some point will be some type of parting. That's my best guess. I don't know if it's going to happen, but this is the type of scenario where I think it's going to be a fresh start for him someplace else. So that's the quote uh, that, um, you know, everybody's been, you know, reacting to on Twitter and, and elsewhere. And let's be clear about that quote. You know, Steve Weish said, that's what he thinks is going to happen. That's his best guess. He doesn't know anything uh, like any of us knows. And this isn't confirmation. This is basically merely speculation on his part. Is it an educated guess? Because Steve Weiss is a good reporter that wouldn't put out uh, misleading information. Probably. But, you know, let's, you know, and this is not meant to be a knock on Steve Weiss or anything like that, but let's go back to, you know, his reporting on the Julio trade during the draft and after the draft. It wasn't as if he was saying that trade was imminent. We only found out that that trade was imminent thanks to Undisputed and whatnot. Um, so, again, it's not to sit here and say that, you know, Steve Weiss is uh, this incontroversial um, or incontrovertible. I can't say the word incontrovertible uh, evidence that this is definitely going to happen. But for the sake of today, we're going to make the assumption that Steve Weiss's instincts on this issue, his best guess is the correct one. Uh, and that the Falcons are likely going to lead to trading Calvin Ridley this off season. Um, and obviously the more the team and or Ridley continue to be quiet, the more empty that void is going to get filled with speculation that they are headed in this direction to a parting of ways. Obviously either side of this could easily nip this in the bud immediately, but if they don't, 
we will certainly have people reading into that. So it runs counter to something I said on a recent episode where I was basically assuming that Ridley would be back in 2022 until I hear different. And for the sake, for the time being, we're going to assume that this is the something different. Um, so, um, Again, it doesn't mean that he's definitely done in Atlanta, but we may be moving in that direction. And of course, time is going to tell as this thing un unpackages and unravels over the next couple of weeks and, and months. And I think a lot of people had believed this all along, that this was going to end this way once Calvin Ridley did step away from the team uh, in the middle of the year. Uh, and some of you, including a listener, were saying like, oh, it wasn't even the middle of the year that you needed to know this. We should have been looking to trade Calvin Ridley back in March. Uh, and I went on a rant about how crazy that idea was back on a podcast in March. And now through the power of a hindsight, that was very wrong. And it's rare instances on this podcast that I admit when I was wrong about a thing, but that's what we're going to do as we continue today's episode. Uh, and, and we'll talk a, about why I was wrong. And one of the things I like to do is figure out how and why I got a certain thing wrong because it so rarely happens. It's like lightning. We got to investigate it. But uh, I think there are some important lessons to learn as we continue today's Locked on Falcons on how I got that wrong before. But before we get into all of that, guys, again, want to thank you guys for making Locked on Falcons your first listen each and every day. And of course, always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. And today I'm recommending the Locked on Braves podcast where you can get insights on all the things going on with my cousin Freddie and all the latest for this Braves during the middle of their offseason by checking out Locked on Braves on your favorite podcast platform as well as on YouTube by subscribing to the Locked on Braves YouTube channel. So, guys, uh, Built Bar is always unveiling brand new flavors and they have a new one with the Crave Bar. It's a healthy candy bar like snack that satisfies if you get my drift it contains caramel and peanuts just like that candy bar that satisfies uh, but built bars these best tasting protein bars on the market are better than candy bars because they're healthy too they're low in sugar calories and carbs uh, high in protein and fiber uh, the crave bar specifically has half the sugar half the calories and four times the protein of that candy bar that satisfies, but it's not just the Crave bar. There's other flavors at built.com like Ruby chocolate, lemon dip cheesecake, eggnog, coconut brownie chunk, caramel macchiato, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, cookies and cream, and so much more. Choose your favorite or build your own box by heading to built.com right now and use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So you guys know that, uh, you know, traffic is rough, right? You Atlanta residents know it better than anybody else, probably anybody else on the planet, but all around the world, you wind up being stuck in bumper to bumper traffic or constantly filling up because you're owning some type of vehicle. That's a gas guzzler. And you constantly feel like you're flushing money down the toilet uh, at the gas pump, but there's a new app called get upside that allows you to save every time you fill up, uh, get upside is a free app. There's no catch. You can go to the app store or Google play and download it right now. And the thing that works with get upside is you get 25 cents back per gallon. A couple of days ago, I was out running some errands and I saw my, uh, gas light come on. And I was like, Oh, I gotta fill up. I forgot to fill up. Uh, so I just, you know, parked, 
brought up the app on my phone, looked up the nearest gas station. There's thousands of locations all across the country uh, and found one, you know, five minutes away, drove down the street, filled up. Uh, and you know, you can then have that money transferred directly into your bank account. I like putting them on an Amazon gift card so I can go ham there. Uh, and so you get 20 up to 25 cents back per gallon every time you fill up. And then when you sign up now with the get upside app and use the promo code touchdown, you get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon on your first fill up. So that's up to 50 cents back per gallon. So don't, pay full price at the pump anymore download the free get upside app uh in the app store or on google play again that's get upside promo code touchdown to get a bonus 25 cents back per gallon so that you can start saving every time you fill up so going back to, to the month of march almost a year ago 10 months ago uh we had a listener by the name of andrew g at drewski411 on twitter send in a mailbag question on march 3rd uh, and I went on a little bit of a rant on the following day's episode on March 4th. Uh, and I think you can go back and listen to that episode. And I think the rant starts around the 18 to 20 minute mark or so and goes about 15 minutes for the to the end of the show on that March 4th episode. But I'll read Andrew's original tweet to take you back in time to the context of uh, that rant. So Andrew said, would it be beneficial to trade Calvin Ridley now after activating his fifth year option in one to two years, he will be paid like a top five player, but is he a top five player in the league? Could we realistically trade him for a mid first to late first to get Bateman or Devonte Smith? So uh, going back to that rant, I, I 100% stand by the rant uh, that I made at the time. And the core of it was based off of two issues. Why do Falcon fans always suddenly get stinging about paying their homegrown talent? And basically, does it really matter if Calvin Ridley is not a top five receiver, if he's only a top 10 receiver? And the other issue was saying that, you know, Calvin Ridley had five prime years left, you know, moving forward. And of course, it made sense to keep him in town because he's a known commodity there, not only in the scenario where Matt Ryan remains your quarterback and you give him a reliable option to throw to that we know. And now we're sitting here, you know, 10 months later saying Matt Ryan needs that type of player um, in the offense or in the world again, because this was, you know, six or seven weeks before the draft uh, in a world where the Falcons went with a quarterback at that time, you would have Ridley basically being that number one receiver for that young quarterback, much like what Roddy White was to a young Matt Ryan during his formative years. So, um, you know, again, if you want to go check out that rant, but obviously during the course of what I was saying, you know, all of that looks very wrong, particularly the point I made during that rant, uh, which was that when I was looking at the roster, then the only players that I knew that would be on the roster uh, two years from that point. So, you know, a year and a half from now, or almost a year from now, would be Calvin Ridley along with Chris Lindstrom and AJ Terrell. Um, and obviously now that looks extremely wrong because we're talking about potentially moving on from Calvin Ridley. But, you know, most people would chalk up when they get things like this wrong to, yeah, you win some, you lose some. But I always like to figure out how I and why I got things wrong. And for me, when I look at this, I think the first reason, there's two reasons again. The first reason is that Calvin Ridley's mental health break was pretty much a unprecedented event. 
Um, you know, we, we know players will miss time due to injuries. We know players will miss time due to contract disputes. Those are pretty much everyday occurrences in the NFL. So if you had, you know, run up to me and, and told me, Hey, I'm from the future, Aaron Calvin really only play five games. I would have assumed it would have been injury related or whatever the case may be. Um, and so the fact that he took a break from football is pretty surprising. And I don't want to make that seem like it's, you know, something bad or wrong, like, one of the things we've talked about is doing a better job, not only when it comes to athletes, but, you know, everybody with normalizing mental health and, and the need for people to work on these types of things, because everybody struggles with these things from time to time. Uh, so I, it's not to sit here and say that Calvin Ridley, you know, taking a break from football is, is something wrong that happened. But, you know, as I view it, you know, if you had told me that, Andrew, um, you know, a year ago, I would have been like, you know, crazy is probably not the right word I should use in this context, but like, that's just basically a random unprecedented sort of event occurring. And so the fact that I got that wrong because I didn't see that coming is not something that I'm going to lose too much sleep over. Um, the second issue is, um, and I think I was making, I made the same mistake that I think a lot of us were making at the time was assuming that Calvin Ridley would work very well in Arthur Smith's offense, given what we had seen from him from the three previous years under Steve Sarkeesian and two years under Dirk Cutter. Um, and I was very confident at that point in time that you would see Calvin Ridley could to continue to ascend as one of the top wide receivers in the NFL, as he had shown himself to do be over the you know final six or seven game stretch uh, in 2020. And thus the Falcons would be certainly in the market to paying him, uh, you know, this up, this current off, off season coming up. Uh, but at that time, the next off season following this 2021 season. So if you had told me, you know, in the final six to seven games of 2020, that, you know, where Calvin Ridley without Julio Jones had been one of the, and we saw him be one of the five to 10 most productive receivers in the NFL. And you had told me that he would go from that to what he was in 2021 under Arthur Smith, um, where, you know, again, in 2020, during those last six or so games, he was putting up numbers comparable to what Stefan Diggs, a, a, a all pro uh, did last year. First team all pro did last year uh, to basically going to what he looked like in the five games he played in Arthur Smith's offense, which was basically what Russell Gage looked like in 2019 in his first year as a starter. Um, and if you had told me that would have happened, I would have, you know, I would have been dumbfounded. Um, and again, this is the part of the conversation when it comes to Calvin really that no one wants to talk about, like, how do we explain that? And the assumption is going to be, well, it had to do with the off field stuff. Right. You know, and I say maybe again, don't know enough about what he's been dealing with off the field to know if that played a major factor in it. And I don't want to speculate on it one way or the other, as others will probably do. Instead, I look at it and I say, you know, what I know on the field from watching the film is that Arthur Smith wasn't necessarily utilizing him correctly. And this is not going to get talked about at all now at this point in time, especially not now, because it doesn't fit the narrative and particularly the narrative that we've been talking about all year long on this podcast with this team about that narrative that this team just doesn't have enough talent and Arthur Smith's offense can't work without more talent. And this is why I continue to push back against this again, 
over and over again, if you want to sit here and say Dean P's defense doesn't work because they don't have enough talent and that's how the ball, 1,000% agree with you. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that Arthur Smith's offense, it's a talent issue that's holding back this offense led by Arthur Smith, you know, I sit here and I go, maybe, uh, certainly there are certain areas where this team does need to get better on the offensive side of the ball, particularly up front. But we had a very talented player in Calvin Ridley that looked like, again, Stefan Diggs caliber player, one of the best route runners in the league, you know, under previous regimes. And then he gets into Arthur Smith offense and he's just just another guy. And so this idea that, you know, you just get Arthur Smith a couple more talented players and everything's going to start cooking doesn't really pass the smell test when you start to consider some of those things. And what we're going to wind up doing when it comes to Calvin Ridley is focusing a lot on, oh, he wasn't this. He wasn't a guy that could win in the air. He wasn't a guy that could win contested catch situations. He wasn't great after the catch or whatever the case may be. And no one's going to have a conversation on what Calvin Ridley is. And this is the point I was making more than a year ago before Andrew's question, which was, you know, people are going to focus on Calvin Ridley's not Julio Jones. Because people have gotten so used to what Julio Jones is, and they, that's what they think is a number one receiver supposed to be, and not focus on what Calvin Ridley's strengths really are. And he's one of the better route runners in the NFL. He wins with separation. He's not going to win in the air. If you're trying to throw jump ball passes to him, uh, that's not going to work for him. But it didn't matter because Dirk Cutter knew how to use him. Steve Sarkeesian knew how to use him. Arthur Smith didn't quite know how to use him. And so it just begs the question that just putting talent on this roster and all of their problems are going to go away doesn't really work in all situations. So we'll just sort of have to see how that plays out. But I think that should really give a lot of you pause, particularly if you're not a homer. Now, if you're a homer, then you're just going to sit here and dismiss everything I say, because how dare you, Aaron, question the, the, the greatness of Arthur Smith. But you know, if you're not a person that's just going to automatically assume everything's going to work out for the Falcons and you actually, you know, think about football and, and this team on a slightly more deeper level than that, then that is something that you need to, you know, reconcile. How do you reconcile that? And obviously you guys have heard me give my opinion on that, but that is something that I think everybody out there needs to ask themselves. So, you know, I know to you, Andrew, uh, this doesn't sound like much of an apology, but I do apologize to you. And what I will say is the rant was not necessarily directed at you. It's certain things that always trigger me. Like I, it, it's not you specifically, but you said a thing in that tweet that triggered me. And it was basically the whole notion of like, he's not a top five receiver. Why pay him like a top five receiver? And this is why, like the thing that triggers me is I think fans get too obsessed with rankings and whatnot. And this is why like your job, you should be paid like a number one wide receiver. If you act like a number one wide receiver and, and what Calvin Ridley had done down the stretch in 2020 was be a number one wide receiver. Um, again, I'm, I'm not going to, I could go on another 30 minute rant about that, but uh, so I apologize to you, Andrew, if you, you felt some type of way and, and yes, you did wind up being right. Cause now the Falcons are in a predicament where if they trade Calvin Ridley, they're probably not going to get the return on them on him that they could uh, have gotten last year if they had just followed your advice uh, and traded him then and probably would have gotten a a first round pick for him. And we've talked about that before on the podcast that, you know, getting a first round pick for him in the trade right now is probably not in the cards. Maybe they get a second round pick, but we'll talk about that as well as some potential options for the Falcons and free agency and the draft moving forward as we wrap up today's locked on Falcons. But uh, as we move forward on locked on Falcons, we got to move forward 
in the NFL season. And we just got one more week of the regular season to be played. And of course the Falcons are four point underdogs to the new Orleans saints. And where regardless of where you land on, whether the Falcons will cover that spread or the saints will cover uh, the best place to go. The number one spot for all your sports betting action this season is of course, betonline.ag. They got a new updated desktop and mobile website at betonline.ag and you can bet on all your favorite sports whether it's football basketball hockey boxing ufc all the way to your favorite vegas casino games so head on over to betonline.ag and sign up and when you do use the promo code locked on you'll get a 50 percent welcome bonus that means if you deposit 200 bucks you get a hundred dollars in free money to play with that you can put towards the Falcons or the Saints. You can put it on the Georgia Bulldogs, the Alabama Crimson Tide, whatever you want at betonline.ag. They got you covered. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available at BetOnline where the game starts. So we're only beginning to unpack this when it comes to Calvin Ridley. And it's going to continue to be a developing thing. So I'm not going to, you know, if you're going to sit here and, and expecting me to say, we're going to trade him for this and we're going to get this guy to replace him and we should draft this guy. I don't have those answers for you right now. This is an ongoing thing and it's going to be a developing story as we get through the off season. And again, we may be at a point next week where we're sitting here saying, um, you know, Calvin Ridley's coming back or whatever the case may be. You know, I, I be because of the Julio Jones saga, because I spent a week basically saying, oh, I think Julio's going to be back. And then the, the very next week, the undisputed thing happened. And I was like, oh, I guess Julio's gone. You know, so I, I am wary of, of definitively go, falling on one side of the fence or the other when it comes to that. But we know that, you know, whether Ridley's here or not, the Falcons are going to need to add weapons um, to their offense. Uh, to support Matt Ryan. And it's not just Matt Ryan, because again, uh, ongoing topic of discussion that we're going to have this off season is whether or not, you know, we're about to see Matt Ryan's final game in Atlanta this weekend. I don't think it, they will, but you know, if, if this game is not his last game, then I think we may see his last game come next season. Um, and so whether it's Ridley or somebody else, uh, you want to see uh, that new quarterback, uh, come in and have an established group of weapons to throw to and not be in a situation like you see in Jacksonville where Trevor Lawrence doesn't really have anybody to throw to uh, over there. And that's leading to some of his struggles over there. So as that goes, you know, the big topic I think is going to be with not just finding a number one receiver to replace Calvin Ridley. I, I think really the expectation is probably going to be as if it all plays out, if I was making an educated guess at this point in time, like Steve Weish, um, you're probably going to have to rely heavily on Kyle Pitts being that go-to number one option in your offense and whether or not in year two, uh, after, you know, going through the ups and downs of being a rookie, can he be that consistent guy week in and week out that can get you the eight to 12 targets, you know, the six to eight catches, the 60 to 100 yards each and every week and, and multiple touchdowns uh, to be that number one guy that Calvin Ridley was in the second half of 2020 and that Julio Jones was predominantly for, you know, the previous seven or eight years and Roddy White was. Uh, so, you know, I don't necessarily expect the Falcons to find that guy this offseason to come in and be that number one guy. Um, if 
if anybody's going to be that number one guy on the 2022 team, I think Kyle, Kyle Pitts is, is probably going to be that guy and going to have to be that guy. So we'll see about that. I'm optimistic that Kyle, Kyle Pitts will make that growth, uh, but we'll just sort of have to see how that goes. Now, let's talk about what we would get back if we traded Calvin Ridley. I've already touched upon this on a previous episode, I think last week on a Q&A that I did, um, and I talked about how at a minimum, you need to get a second round pick for him. Again, I don't think you're going to get a first round pick at this point in time, given all that's happened with Ridley this all season. Um, you know, again, these are not the best terms of using it, but, uh, you know, I don't want to say damaged goods, but like you're not going to get him at his peak market, given the type of performance that he had earlier this season. Uh, so you, you're probably your best case scenario is getting a early second round pick, uh, which again, I think you, at this point in time, you'd be doubtful for, uh, maybe it's a conditional pick that you get from him, but it's not going to be a conditional pick in this year's draft. That's going to be a 2023 conditional pick because the condition is going to be based off of how many snaps he plays, what achievements he has, how many yards he has in this 2022 season. So you're not going to be able to, to know the conditions of that until 2023. So, um, we can sit here and speculate about teams that the, would like to trade for Calvin Ridley. I haven't really done a deep dive on all the team needs very across the league, but I know Jacksonville is a team that certainly is hurting for a, a wide receiver group um, or to enhance their wide receiver group. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence, and they do have two third round picks. They have four, six round picks. So they could certainly put together an impressive package uh, to Atlanta. If they wanted to trade for Calvin Ridley does having those extra thirds mean that they're more willing to part ways with their, you know, that second round pick that's at the top of the second round, maybe, or maybe they are willing to give you a third and throw in one of those day three picks on the back end to sweeten the pot or whatever the case may be. Again, I don't know. We can endlessly speculate about it, but I wouldn't necessarily go into it thinking that we're going to get a top 15 pick is, is basically the lesson I'm trying to tell you. So, how do what regardless of what the Falcons do get back from Calvin Ridley? How do they replace him? So obviously they have the options of not only the draft but also free agency. Of course, free agency comes first. First, if you want immediate impact, your probably best plan is to go to free agency since we know draft picks typically don't hit the ground running, particularly receivers uh, hit the ground running in year one. Obviously we've seen examples of players like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, uh, but you know, those guys are relatively rare. Look at the other first round picks in their respective draft classes. And, and those, and it wasn't exactly guys that are who's who uh, of coming out and immediately having big impact in year one. So if you want that guy to can immediately step in and, and, you know, tag team with Kyle Pitts and, and be that sort of go-to option for Matt Ryan, this upcoming season, free agency is the potential route for that. There's a lot of big names in free agency, particularly guys that can be that number one or number two type of receiver, the tag team with Kyle Pitts and, and be the one or the two in that one, two punch. You got Devonte Adams, Chris Godwin, Michael Gallup, Allen Robinson, Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Williams uh, from the Chargers, Christian Kirk, Odell Beckham Jr. Those are some of the guys that jumped to the top of the list. I'm not going to necessarily spend time speculating on on who the Falcons should get. Um, obviously, I know some of those guys like Godwin and Gallup are dealing with injuries, which, you know, late season injuries that do put their ability to play week one in jeopardy. So, 
you know, they're going to miss most of the offseason. So they're not going to be able to build that rapport with Matt Ryan. So even though you would sit there and say, we can get a really talented wide receiver for cheap, you know, how much cheaper are you actually going to get those guys, right? Calvin Ridley's making about $11 million next season. Uh, he's under contract for that. And yes, if you do trade him, you do uh, remove that, you know, $11.1 million uh, in terms of guaranteed base salary off your books and you save that amount of space. But I don't know, even for guys like Godwin and Gallup, that you're going to be saving considerably more money by moving Ridley and replacing him with one of those guys. Because you look at what Will Fuller signed this past offseason. He signed a one-year, $10 million deal in a depressed offseason where there was a depressed cap. Um, and now that the cap has bounced back a little bit, um, you know, I would not expect some of these guys, even if they do sign one year prove it deals to sign for considerably cheaper than that, particularly uh, this caliber. So you might wind up paying more money to the guy that you replace Calvin Ridley with, even if it's a one year sort of prove it deal, um, then you would, if you just kept Calvin Ridley. So that's just something to keep in mind, uh, when it comes to that, if you're, if you're feeling some type of way about giving out a big, you know, guaranteed long-term contract to one of these other guys like a Devonte Adams or an Allen Robinson, et cetera. You know, and the other question about free agency is how does this impact the negotiations with Russell Gage? It, it seems like the Falcons would be more inclined to bringing Russell Gage back uh, via free agency uh, than they would before where you kind of thought, well, we're getting Calvin Ridley back. We need to find a, a capable young number two that can kind of step in and we can live with, you know, that number two rookie uh, in the draft, you know, having some growing pains in year one because we have Calvin Ridley and we have Kyle Pitts as our sort of top guys. And we just kind of need a, a guy to be the third guy uh, and he can sort of pick and choose his spots like Russell Gage has done over the years. But now if Ridley's gone, um, it's just Kyle Pitts and Frank Darby and, and Alameda Zacchaeus. If you tender him as a restricted free agent, and that's about it that you hate guy, in terms of guys you have under contract. And Hurst a free agent. Lee Smith's a free agent. Uh, you know, Parker Hesse, I think maybe a free agent or exclusive rights free agent. So, um, it does mean that, you know, do you put all your eggs in the, in the draft basket? Because that means you got to sign somebody in free agency, right? Um, so does that mean Russell Gage comes back? And then if you're Russell Gage, like, you're sitting here based off of your production down the stretch. You're like, pay me money. Like, you know, you're not making 14, 15 million a year, but you know, I think it's realistic to think that Russell Gage could potentially get eight, maybe nine, $10 million a year on the open market uh, from some team based off of his production. And certainly from the Falcons, you would kind of demand that. So that's going to be interesting to see if the Falcons are a lot more willing to acquiesce to Russell Gage's uh, potential market value. If it is that high, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's like five or $6 million a year, but um, my best guess based off of some of the recent contracts that we've seen signed that, you know, even a decent number two. And in this case, Russell Gage would be asking for number two wide receiver money because he's like, I'm going to be the number two to Kyle Pitts is about eight to $10 million a year, if not more. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And then of course, in the draft uh, there, you know, I haven't studied this draft class. I've seen a couple of the early round, you know, prospects, the, the wide receivers from Ohio State and, and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I've seen um, Burks from uh, Arkansas and, and a couple of others. Uh, so I'm not completely unknown about it, but I don't know how deep this draft class goes because it gets back to the topic of conversation that we've been having on this podcast for weeks, right? Where if you lose Russell Gage, if you lose Calvin Ridley, all of a sudden wide receiver becomes a huge priority 
when we went into the offseason feeling probably more inclined to be like, we need to address our offensive line on offense. We need to address our defensive line on defense and maybe get a, a playmaker or two in the secondary and maybe get a potential stopgap uh, at linebacker or whatever the case may be. And now we're adding wide receiver to the, the shopping list that we need to get. And that's going to be a potentially significant investment. And if you're investing first round picks in a wide receiver or second round pick in a wide receiver, that's a first or second round pick that you're not investing in some of those other areas that I'm sure many of you think are, are more problematic right now than a wide receiver group. Uh, and so that gets back to the quandary I've been talking about for weeks and weeks where it's like this dilemma that this team has to be in where they are stuck trying to figure out, okay, how much do we invest in getting Matt weapons around Matt Ryan? Or do we just kind of say, screw it. And we'll just go with replacement level players at that wide receiver position in a, a green rookie, you know, we'll wait till round three or we'll wait till round four to take a, a rookie and hope that we, we land a good player. And, and some of the free agents I talked about were second and third round picks. So it's not as if like, waiting in, in in after round one that you can't get get really good wide receivers in the draft that's one of the reasons why you've heard me in the, in the past say you know you don't need to use you know your number one pick on a wide receiver you can get quality talent in on day two and, and potentially on day three of the draft but you do wonder what the Falcons plan is going to be so this Calvin Ridley situation is you know something that we're going to continue to, to discuss as we get more information hopefully we get more information in the coming days um, and weeks. Uh, but obviously we're going to have to just see how this team figures this out. This is uh, certainly not something that's helping the Falcons. I, I, I'll, and I'm sure there's some of you out there like, you know, good riddance or uh, thanks for the cap space or whatever the case may be. This is a positive move for the Falcons. But for me, I, I look at it and I'm like, I don't see how this is a positive move for the Falcons where they're losing one of their more talented players, particularly when we're spending all this time as we have uh, this season, um, you know, allegedly saying that the, the reason why this team is not performing up to uh, or up to beyond their current expectations uh, is because they lack talent. So we'll just sort of have to see how it all unfolds guys. And, and of course there will be a lot more to say about this in the coming days and weeks uh, here on the Locked on Falcons podcast. Of course, that will do it for us today. We'll be back on Sunday to give you a rapid reaction to whatever happens between the Falcons and saints. Uh, if you want sort of my official expectation. I do not expect the Falcons to win. I think the Saints will probably win in a sort of close one score ball game, um, but we'll just sort of have to see. I would love to be wrong on that, but um, my sort of final prediction is something like a 20 to 16 loss for the Falcons, but we'll just sort of have to see how that all plays out. Um, and we'll be back on Sunday evening to, you know, probably later Sunday evening because it's a four o'clock game, um, probably around 10 or 11 uh, to give you a lowdown on what happened in that game. And of course, uh, we'll have more to unpack next week uh, when we can now look back at the 2021 season as a whole. And we'll have some guests to come on and give their thoughts on all the things that happened this past season. So uh, that will be where we end it. Uh, of course, you can send in any questions and, and comments that you may have via Twitter or Facebook at Locked on Falcons via email at Locked on Falcons at mail.com. Or uh, you can leave a comment here on the Locked on Falcons YouTube channel. I know I promised that today would be probably a Q&A. So we will have to get to your questions a little bit later uh, next week uh, if you send those in. But certainly there will be plenty of opportunity for you guys uh, to send in 
those questions. And um, there'll be plenty of opportunities for you guys to check out further listens here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And that includes the Lockdown Bets podcast that I continually plug at the end of each and every show. Of course, handicapping expert Lee Sterling is giving you those daily pixels, blowout specials in that lock of the day. That's helping you put more money in your pocket when you go and sign up at betonline.ag and use that promo code Lockdown for that 50% welcome bonus. Lee is giving you all the tips and tricks that you need to make money and really make bet online work for you this season, whether we're talking about, you know, football, basketball, etc. So Lee's doing that every single day. So just because the football season is over, doesn't mean that Lee isn't out there trying to help you guys make uh, more money. So that will do it for us here on lockdown Falcons guys. I hope uh, you have a great weekend um, and we'll be back on Sunday with a rapid, rapid reaction. Appreciate it guys till then.